Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. Appreciate you listening every week at this same time. We hope you're having a good week. We want you to listen to Bible Crossfire every week at this time. We hope we're having good Bible studies here. We don't shy away from the controversial topics, of course, because we believe in teaching what needs to be heard. We keep an open mind, though, because we can be wrong. The only thing that we know for sure that is right, religiously, is God's word. God is right. Man is always wrong. As the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. So if you can prove anything that I say is wrong, please do so. You'll be my best friend. Because I don't want to go on and on and on preaching false teaching. But if I'm proving what I'm saying by the Bible conclusively, then we're all obligated to accept it. Doesn't matter what we may have believed in the past. Only the truth will make us free from sin. John 8:32. I want to talk about a perhaps the most frequent question on my program. People call in or I begin a discussion about baptism, the necessity of baptism to salvation. And people will call in and say, what about the thief on the cross? Let's talk about that. First, let's look at two or three verses that establish beyond any doubt that Jesus and his apostles are teaching that baptism, water baptism, submitting to water baptism is necessary to salvation. Jesus said, first of all, in the Great Commission in Mark 16, 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth believeth not, shall be condemned. Now, that's a pretty simple sentence. It's probably written on a fourth or fifth grade level. There's nothing hard about that to understand. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So according to Jesus, if you love Jesus and you're going to believe him, he says you got to both believe and be baptized to be saved. I didn't write that. God wrote that. Just because it contradicts what your preacher says is irrelevant. Because if your preacher says something different than that, what Jesus said, you need to accept what Jesus said and reject what your preacher said. Of course, a lot of preachers say you don't have to be baptized to be saved. But Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And he's the Lord. Peter, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said in Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So if you want the remission of sins, the old King James way of saying forgiveness of sins. And if you want the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is the earnest of our inheritance, the thing that proves we're saved, if you want the remission of sins, you're going to have to repent and be baptized. This is written to believers. So believers have to repent of their sins and be baptized. And if they'll be baptized, they'll get the remission, the forgiveness of all their sins, but only if they repent, meaning they have to commit to change in their life in regard to sin. In the terminology of Romans 6, they have to quit serving sin and they have to start serving righteousness. Then they get baptized. All their sins are forgiven by the blood of Christ. And then God expects them to follow through on that commitment to change their life in regard to sin. Now, I said that they're forgiven at baptism by the blood of Christ. We see another verse that proves that conclusively. You'll remember Ananias told Saul, who's later going to be known as Paul the Apostle. He tells him in Acts twenty-two sixteen. Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. 
Now, Saul's already believed on the road to Damascus. Saul's a conscientious, zealous Jew persecuting Christians. Jesus appears to him supernaturally on the road to Damascus. Acts 9, Acts 22, and Acts 26. Paul believes in Jesus, wants to know what to do. He says, go on to the city and be told, told you what to do. In the meantime, Jesus sends Ananias to tell him what to do. And that's where Acts 22, 16 comes in. And now, why tarryest thou? In Alabama, we'd say, what you waiting on? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Proves conclusively that Saul's sins weren't washed away when he believed. They were washed away by the blood of Christ when he was baptized. You have to be baptized in order to get your sins washed away by the blood of Christ. We'll make it quick, but 1 Peter 3.21 says, Baptism doth also now save us. Obviously talking about water baptism, because that's the parallel being made between verse 20 and 21, and knowing the eight souls being saved through water. Water baptism doth also now save us. Not saying that baptism is the grounds for our salvation, but it's saying that you have to be baptized in order to be saved by the death of Christ, which is the grounds for our salvation. Jesus said, well, actually Hebrews 5, 9 says about Jesus, he became the author or the source of eternal salvation to all them that obey him. So only those who obey Jesus will be eternally saved. And that's by the death of Christ. He's the source. Now, so these verses prove beyond any shadow of a doubt that you have to be baptized to be saved. The only way you can come to a different conclusion is to reject what God says. But here's what people do. The number one argument against that is, well, what about the thief on the cross? What about the thief on the cross? We're going to talk about that. The thief on the cross, of course, people assume that he was not baptized and he was saved. So doesn't that prove you don't have to be baptized to be saved? We're going to talk about that. But if you have a Bible question or comment, the lines are wide open. Give us a call at 877-655-6755. Please call us if you have a question or Bible question or comment and you want to go on the air. The number to call is 877-655-6755. What about the thief on the cross? Does he prove a person doesn't have to be baptized to be saved because wasn't he a person that wasn't baptized yet he was saved? All right, let's talk about him. First, we don't know that the thief was not baptized. Luke 23, 41 and 42, let me read that. It said, he said, this man hath done nothing amiss unto Jesus. Lord, remember me when thou comest to thy kingdom. That's said by the thief. This indicates the thief knew perhaps even more than many of the apostles. So he very well could have been baptized with John the Baptist's baptism before he was hung on the cross. Read Matthew 3, 5, and 6, and you'll see that were many people were baptized by John the Baptist. Perhaps the thief was one of them before he was up on the cross. And if you're going to use the thief to prove one doesn't have to be baptized, you better know for sure he wasn't baptized and you can't prove he wasn't baptized. No, we're not saying he was baptized while he was up on the cross, but likely, very likely, he could have been baptized before he was up on the cross. We just don't know. And if you can't prove he wasn't ever baptized, then how can you use him as evidence that a person doesn't have to be baptized to be saved? He might have been baptized. We just don't know. But that's not the main thing wrong with this thief on the cross argument. To show you what the what the main thing that is wrong with this argument, I want you to go and look at Hebrews 9, 15 through 17. It says there, and I'm reading. And for this cause, he, talking about Christ, is the mediator of the New Testament. For where a testament it is, 
there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Here, I think Paul, well, I don't know that Paul's the writer. The writer of Hebrews is making an analogy. He's, you think about a will. We have wills. I'm one of four brothers. My parents made out a will in the 1970s that left all of their possession to us four boys. But we didn't receive those possessions, my, what my parents own, until after both my dad and my mother died. My mother died last in 2010. Then the will went into effect after the death of the testators, my dad and my mother. So the writer here is saying the same thing works with Jesus. The testament that was going to go into effect is the New Testament. You read about it all the way through the book of Hebrews. The testator here is Jesus. And is saying his, two test, his testament, the New Testament, will not go into effect until after the death of the testator, after the death of Christ. And so this New Testament law, the law that requires water baptism for salvation, didn't go into effect until after the death of Jesus. So Jesus and the thief on the cross lived under the Old Testament law, and the Old Testament law didn't require baptism for salvation. That's why the thief didn't have to be baptized to be saved, because he lived and died while the Old Testament law was still in effect. He didn't have to be baptized. The Great Commission were that requires baptism, Mark 16, 16, he that believes that is baptized shall be saved. Jesus said that many days after the thief died. The thief didn't have to be baptized because he lived under the Old Testament law. That law didn't require baptism for salvation. It's the New Testament law that requires baptism for salvation. That's the law we live under. The thief didn't live under that law. Darla from Las Vegas, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, if someone is born again, I mean, if someone dies, it's on their sickbed, okay? And they call on the name of the Lord to be saved. They don't have the opportunity to be baptized. Does that present, prevent them from be, having salvation? Absolutely. If you believe what Jesus said, he said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So they're in the same position of a guy who's on his sickbed and they didn't have a, quote, opportunity to believe. They never believed and they died on their sickbed before they believed. That calling on the name of the Lord, you talked about calling on the name of the Lord, Acts twenty two sixteen defines that as being baptized. Ananias told Saul to be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So the way you call upon the name of the Lord is being baptized. You've got to be baptized to be saved. Does that answer your question, Darla? No, but it, it gives you some information on it. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you for your call, Darla. Uh-huh. So Acts twenty two sixteen, Saul, the apostle Paul, was told, Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. The way a person calls upon the name of the Lord to be saved is by being baptized. And then his sins are washed away by the blood of Christ and not before that. You see the same thing from Acts 2. Acts two twenty one says, It shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, how do you do that? How do you call upon the name of the Lord to be saved? Well, the verse 38 details that for us. Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. He's not telling them two different ways to be saved from their sins. One in verse 21 and verse 31 and verse 38. Verse 38 details 21. How do you call upon the name of the Lord to be saved? By repenting and being baptized to get the remission of sins. Acts 2, 38. That's pretty clear, isn't it? 
it would take a pretty dense person not to be able to understand that. Now, let's think about a passage like Romans 10, verse 9. That passage says, For if thou shalt believe that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So today, to be saved, you have to believe that Jesus was raised from the dead as an accomplished fact. But the thief couldn't have believed that. The thief died before Jesus was ever raised from the dead. He couldn't have believed that Jesus was raised from the dead. But according to Romans 10, 9 and 10, you have to believe that Jesus was raised from the dead to be saved. So obviously the thief wasn't saved by meeting the same conditions that we have to meet because we have to believe that Jesus was raised from the dead in order to be saved as an accomplished fact, Romans 10, 9 and 10. And the thief didn't believe that. He couldn't have. He died before Jesus was ever resurrected. I'm sorry I missed a call. If you were trying to call a while ago, call back and I'll try to get you this time. So we see from Hebrews 9, 15 through 17 that this New Testament law that requires water baptism didn't go into effect until after the thief died. So the thief didn't have to be baptized because he lived when the Old Testament law was still in effect. He lived when it was still possible to be saved without believing in the burial and resurrection of Christ, which is required according to Romans 10, 9 and 10. It's not the same. Today, under the New Testament law, we got to believe in Jesus. And not only that, we've got to believe in his resurrection. If we don't believe in his resurrection, and I know people like that, professors in seminaries believe in Jesus, but they don't believe he was raised from the dead. Well, according to Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says, if thou shalt believe that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. According to Romans 10, 9 and 10, they're not going to be saved. They don't believe in the resurrection. But the thief was saved without that. Shows he was saved under a different covenant than we are. We have to believe in the resurrection of Christ and we have to be baptized to be saved. And the thief did not. Darren from Tennessee, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, sir. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Go ahead, Darren. Okay. Uh, I, I'm thinking, I mean, from what I'm hearing of the discussion, it's like, okay, there, there's been no distinction between the two types of baptism, as you recall, you know, Christ Jesus said, I have a baptism, you know, to baptize with. Okay? The water baptism was a baptism of repentance. That was an open show of, of outward, you know, repentance within a person. So it's like even nowadays, the water baptism is not what saves. It is an open show of an inward conversion, all right? Well, you and that's know. why you look back. I, but wait, I, I think back in, I, it might have been in the Gospel of John, where if you look, and it said in parentheses, Jesus, when he was walking, okay, you know, I'm saying his earthly ministry, Jesus never baptized. It said Jesus did not baptize with water. But his disciples did, okay? is what so, it says. Right. Okay, but it, listen it, to this, Darren. In 1 Peter 3, 20 and 21, we've already quoted verse 21, but let's do it again and read verse 20 also. He said, which sometime were disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. The light figure, or as the New King James puts it, the antitype, wherein to even baptism but also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So this verse is saying baptism saves us. So you got to be baptized to be saved. Which kind of baptism is this talking about? It's obviously talking about water baptism. That's why he brings up Noah and the eight souls being saved by water. 
So he's talking about water baptism, and he says water baptism saves us. Now, when Ananias told Saul, arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord, what's that talking about? It's something that Ananias, I mean, Saul could obey. Something that Saul could obey. It's talking about water baptism. He didn't have any control over whether or not he was baptized by the Holy Spirit. That's up to God. But this is something that he could obey. It's water baptism. In Acts 2.38, he told him to repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. Which baptism is that talking about? Well, verse 41 says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. Obviously, talking about water baptism. So Acts 2.38 makes water baptism a requirement for salvation. So does Acts 22.16, and so does 1 Peter 3.21. And so does Mark 16.16, 16, where Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. How do I know that's talking about water baptism? Because it's the baptism of the Great Commission. That's one of the accounts of the Great Commission. And the other account of the Great Commission, Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now that's got to be talking about water baptism because the apostles were going to do this baptism, baptizing. Jesus told the apostles to do the baptizing in Matthew 28, 19. It's got to be water baptism. Apostles can't baptize people in the Holy Ghost. Only Jesus can do that. Everybody would agree with that. So the Great Commission baptism is water baptism. And then in Mark 16, 16, still in the Great Commission, he said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That's got to be talking about water baptism because it's the same baptism as Matthew 28, 19, which has got to be water baptism. And Jesus says you got to do it in Mark 16, 16 in order to be saved. So the four verses that we quoted to prove conclusively you got to be baptized to be saved, we can also show in all four cases conclusively that it's talking about water baptism. Darren, any follow-up? Uh, okay. Now, I'm, I'm just saying, okay, you said, so so you take it from, and you know the old, you know, the old covenant, uh, you know, or the Old Testament was, that was a foreshadowing of things to come, okay? Just because, and, and we know that salvation does not come by water baptism because Paul also, you know, Paul also said, uh, you know, I think it may be in Romans. I'm, I'm saying this because I can't give you scripture in verse because I read the whole of scripture now. I'm a born again believer and I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, um, you know, he said, not all Israel is Israel. And so that what Darren said is absolutely false. He says, we know that salvation doesn't come by water baptism. Of course, he can't give a verse for that, but we can give first Peter 3 21 which we know from verse 20, for sure it's talking about water baptism in 1 Peter 3, 21. It says, baptism doth also now save us. So when somebody says, we know that salvation doesn't come by water baptism, they're saying to something exactly opposite of what God's book says. It says, baptism doth also now save us in 1 Peter 3, 21. And it's obviously talking about water baptism because that's the reason knowing the eight souls being saved by water is brought up in verse 20. So you do have to be baptized to be saved. In Acts twenty two sixteen, Ananias told Saul, rise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. It's not the water that washes away the sins. It's not the baptism that does the trick of salvation. It's the death of Christ. The blood of Christ is what pays for our sins. But what Acts twenty two sixteen is saying, the blood of Christ washes away your sins when you're baptized, not when you believe. So if a person believes, but he never gets baptized, then his sins are never washed away by the blood of Christ. So we're still talking about the thief, the thief on the cross. I want to notice these points. The thief, 
first of all, was forgiven before Jesus died. Therefore, he was not forgiven based upon New Testament law. Now, remember, New Testament law is what requires water baptism for salvation, not Old Testament baptism. I mean, not Old Testament. Number two, the thief on the cross died before the Great Commission, we've already mentioned this, of Mark 16, 16 was ever given. Therefore, he was not amenable to the command to be baptized in the name of Jesus to be saved, in order to be saved. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That clearly means, shows you have to be baptized to be saved. We know it's talking about water baptism because it's the baptism of the Great Commission. In Matthew 28, 19, Jesus orders the apostles to baptize people. They can't baptize in the Holy Ghost, so that's got to be talking about water baptism. So Mark 16, 16 has to be talking about water baptism, and Jesus says you got to do it to be saved. That, Mark 16, 16, was said by Jesus many, many days after the thief died. The thief lived under the Old Testament law. He didn't live under the law that says you got to be baptized to be saved, which is the New Testament law, the law of Christ. Next point. Luke 24, 47 reads this way. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Now that shows where this New Testament remission of sins was going to begin to be preached. The repent and be baptized for the remission of sins, Acts 2.38, was going to begin to be preached at Jerusalem. And sure enough, it was in Acts 2, verse 38. That's Jerusalem, what he's talking about. So before that, people didn't have to be baptized to be saved. Adam and Eve didn't have to be baptized. There was no such thing as baptism back then. Moses didn't have to be baptized. There was no such thing as water baptism back then. Same thing with Abraham and Noah. They didn't have to be baptized because there was no such thing as water baptism in the Old Testament. Same thing with the thief on the cross. He didn't have to be baptized. He lived under the Old Testament law. He lived before Jesus died. They didn't have to be baptized under according to Old Testament law. It's not until New Testament that we see you have to be baptized to be saved. And that came into effect after the thief died. Ernest from Washington State, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yeah, I was listening to, um, sorry if I'm coming, I'm driving right now, but uh, listening to your usage of the English word baptism. And obviously uh, the, the Greek word is, is in many iterations of that Greek word doesn't always mean the same thing that we think is baptism. It could be immersion or dipping or... So what is your take on that idea that you're using the English word that was transliterated from the Greek for your argument for the baptism that saves? So, Ernest, you're right. This is a transliterated word. The Greek word is baptizo, which means to immerse. But my argument does not hinge on this word, the English or the Greek word. The Greek word is there in Acts 2.38. Right. In Mark 16.16, 16, baptizo, or a form of that. It's there in Acts 22.16. It's there in 1 Peter 3.21. So whether or not you're talking about the Greek word baptizo or the English word baptism makes no difference whatsoever. The idea is there in all four of those passages. And all four of them conclusively prove that a person has to be baptized to be saved. And we can show in all four cases, all four of the passages, that it's talking about water baptism and not Holy Spirit baptism. We can prove that conclusively. We already have. We can prove from those verses conclusively they're all teaching you got to be baptized to be saved, and it's talking about water baptism. So it doesn't make any difference whether or not you're using the Greek word or the English word. The English word baptism is just a transliteration, just like Ernest said, of the Greek word baptismo or baptizo. So it doesn't make any difference. All four passages prove you got to be baptized in water to be saved. 
Ernest, any follow-up? I got one more minute. No, that's that's fine. I wanted to make sure that the, your your audience understood that that word, when used in the in the English, doesn't always mean the same that they're understanding as the baptism of repentance or the baptism of salvation. It could be just simply as immersion of the Spirit in us. Yes. But the word thank you, Ernest. Thank, the English you, Ernest, word that, 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 thank you, Ernest, for that for that pointing out that it, the Greek word is baptizo. In Acts two thirty eight, Peter said, "Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus." Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. So we're talking about baptism and immersion in the name of Jesus Christ. That's water baptism. And you got to do it to get the remission of sins. That's what Peter said through the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. We can deny that all we want to, but that's what God said. Now, if you'd like a free one-hour phone Bible study with me, sometime at your convenience, I want you to call or text me at 256-682-9753.